Good morning. Really appreciate the songs that Kendall uh, sang this morning. I think it gets us in the right frame of mind. I appreciate Tim's announcements. Uh, as Tim mentioned, I'm not the regular. In fact, I'm maybe fourth team at best. Um, uh, we'll just call me junior varsity, if you will. But uh, what I want to do today is try to get a balance between maybe some messages you've heard over the years between the, the only difference between me and a non-believer is I'm forgiven. You ever seen those bumper stickers? And maybe the messages where you feel like I might as well throw in the white towel. I'm just not going to make it. So I want to try to get a balance between there. Don't be misled or confused or deceived by my title. I've, I really struggle with the title, Conditional Love, but maybe when I get into the message, you'll kind of see where I was coming from there. But we hear the term love quite frequently. We hear there's a difference between there's a number of different types of love. And, and conditional love is kind of the one we shoot for. We want, I mean unconditional love, right? We want unconditional love. So, you know, we have those of you who have had children. Our children, we love. If, if it's a healthy relationship, a normal family, parents will love their children. I, I, I do understand that's not always the case, but that's the design. That's typically the way it works. Parents love their children. The children always do what the parents want them to do. Uh, any of you have had children, even your children probably, if you're honest, will say that, no, we don't always do what we're supposed to do. You know, I was a child. I, I guess I still am. I've, I've got parents. Uh, um, I haven't always done what my parents wanted me to do. My children, although are precious, have not always done what I've wanted them or trained them to do. In fact, sometimes children can be quite a disappointment. They can really break your heart. They can do things that's so different from what you've trained them to do and taught them to do and tried to display for them. But that doesn't mean you don't love them. And that's what we're going to look at a little bit today is does Jesus love us conditionally or unconditionally? And this is, this is where it gets a little bit potentially deceptive in the title because I'm going to really move on to conditions. Um, we're all very familiar with John 3.16, right? What does it say? For God so loved the world that what? He gave his one and only son. Is there any conditions in that? That is love, right? God loves us. No question. He's proved he loved us by sending his one and only son. 
Not just coming to earth, leaving heaven, but what did he do? He went through all the temptations that mankind goes through, yet never once gave in to those temptations. And if that wasn't enough, he died for us. And not only died for us, he was tortured. He was crucified. He gave up everything for us. Evidence of love. Unconditional love, right? Any questions? Who's excluded from John 3.16? No one. So that means who's included? Obviously everyone. However, getting ahead of myself here, if you ever do a study of the word if, depending on your version, there's between 1,600 and 1,800 ifs in the Bible. In essence, conditions of God's promises. We know from John 3.16, God loves us, but there's conditions to the promises. And we're going to, we want to, you know, I don't want you to misunderstand what I'm saying. Hopefully I will be clear in my message. But I, I don't know if you can read that. I can't from here, but fortunately I have it here. It says, uh, I got a couple of um, different sources to define what if means. It's a two-letter word, and it says, dictionary.com states it's a condition, requirement, or stipulation. If is on condition that. Uh, Merriam-Webster defines it as, uh, they use the term, if is used to say that something must happen before another thing can happen. So those are, those are stipulations, if you will. They're conditions. If you know anything about, I don't know if we have any lawyers in the group, uh, or maybe you've set up a will this way, but there's, there can be conditional gifts set up in a will. Um, and it's, it's where there's a provision in the will that states that money or property will be distributed from the estate only when and if a specific event takes place. An, an example, it says, uh, maybe if you have a, a grandfather that's got a little money, uh, he might leave $30,000 to each grandchild on the condition that they graduate from college by the age of 25. That would not be a real uncommon for someone that has money to set up a will like that. Does that mean the grandchild is loved more or less? Does that mean that the grandchild earned that? Yeah, it's a gift. It's a gift of love, but there's stipulations to receiving it. And that's to see that maybe you want your grandchildren, in order to give them money, you want them to show responsibility in what they'll do with the money. So they go to college, they get their degree, give them $25,000, therefore they can help pay off their student debts or, or whatever. Um, we have conditions on being Americans, U.S. citizens. You can live in America, doesn't mean you're a citizen, right? There's stipulations, there's conditions to being a citizen of the United States. 
as a Christian, uh, and, and by the way, just about my entire message is going to be scripture, so I, I figure the Word says things a whole lot better than I do. I'm just going to be hitting scriptures and reading them. But um, the, um, as a Christian, Galatians 2 says it pretty much very clearly. It says, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Again, there's his unconditional love. He loved me and gave himself for me. But as a Christian, I've been crucified with him. And it's no longer me living, but I'm living for him. If we're crucified with Christ, it's a complete change of direction. We acknowledge Jesus as Lord of our lives. And by faith, we live a new life to please him in the knowledge that we've been forgiven. Like I said, I'm going to be hitting scriptures very quickly, so I've tried to put them up here so you don't have to try to chase them down. But And and most of these are the NIV version, but Matthew 16 is another one we're quite familiar with. And these are, so many of these scriptures I'm using are the very words of Jesus, the Son of God, our Savior. So Matthew 16, verse 24, it says, Jesus said, if the word if, the condition, anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me will find it. You know, there's the word if and the word must in that scripture. And those are conditions. If we're going to be followers of Jesus. So what, and, and must, what does must mean? Yeah, I think I did a message uh, some years back. Those who uh, read professional standards and law and everything, there's a big difference between a must and a should, or a must and a may. This is not a may, this is not a should, this is a must. If you want to be a follower of Jesus. So, uh, we're going to look at, we, we want forgiveness, right? We need forgiveness. Forgiveness is necessary for heaven, right? That's why Jesus died on the cross, is so we can be forgiven. Well, there's conditions to receiving forgiveness. It says, to receive forgiveness, Jesus said, if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. Okay? He wanted to make sure this message was clear. He said it in a different way. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive you your sins. There's really no room for misinterpretation, right? We, to receive forgiveness, must forgive others. We're not above God. Uh, This is not works uh, that we earn our salvation, but it is a command. It is a condition of salvation. John 8, another one. 
Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. So what does it mean to be holding to teachings? Would that not be very similar to knowing the word, understanding it, obeying it, holding to my teachings? It talks a lot about don't be deceived, you know, but truth, truth seekers. Uh, the truth is, obedience is required. If we're going to be a disciple, if we're going to be a follower of Christ. And a disciple for, sometimes we think of the twelve are the disciples. A disciple is a follower of Jesus, in this case. A disciple, by definition, is a follower and student of a mentor, teacher, or other figure. We're talking about disciples of Jesus. We show evidence of being his children by what? Loving one another. It says, Jesus said, by this all men will know you're my disciples if you love one another. This is not lip service. This is evidence. This is demonstration of love. We hear frequently in the world, out there on the job, in the workplace, out the grocery store, the, the news outlets, people can maybe say one thing, but their life is demonstrating something else. And Jesus so frequently talks about evidence. You say this, there should be evidence of it. Do we have to love Jesus to, be, to receive salvation? Is that necessary? Loving Jesus? It, that's, that's necessary, right? Required. To be right, to be considered children of God, we've got to love Jesus. Not lip service, not just mouthing words, but loving Jesus. And if there's any question about that, in Matthew 22, verse 37 through 40, Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. It's important. It's required. It's essential that we love Jesus. And I think we forget that sometimes. We can say, oh, Jesus, I love you, and then we're off doing our own thing. We're not living like we love Jesus. If your spouse tells you they love you, but their actions are telling you something else, do you believe them? Is there, you know, you want to see love. You want it demonstrated. You don't want just the words. How do we know we love Jesus? Jesus himself said, if you obey my commands, you'll remain in my love, just as I've obeyed my Father's commands and remain in his love. So we have a recurring theme here from Jesus. Love equals obedience. Um, now, you know, we can do a whole other sermon about just because you're obedient doesn't necessarily mean you love, but there it, that is evidence of love, obedience. Do we have to be a friend of Jesus? Can you be 
kind of a riding the fence. You know, Jesus says, you're my friends if you do what I command. You're either a friend or an enemy of Jesus. It's, it's one or the other. We, we know in Revelation it talks about that too, that you're, you're one or the other. You're a friend or you're an enemy. Uh, if we're a friend, we'll do what Jesus says. I think I've hit that one already. Okay. Um, here we go. It's a, that little two-letter word is a pretty big word in this. It says, by this gospel you are saved. If you hold firmly to the word I preach to you. Otherwise, what? You've believed in vain. Have we believed our message in vain? I hope not, you know. And that's where I want this opportunity to be. We turn the switch. We realize the necessity of loving and obedience so that our believing is not in vain. Most everyone we talk to that's probably in this building and a lot that we come in contact with will say, yes, I believe. But what is, the, what is their life? Have they been crucified with Christ? Jesus said, you must be born again. Starting in John 3, verse 3, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The winds blow where it wishes and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Yeah, he's talking to one of the rulers, one, someone that typically has a pretty decent understanding of the Scriptures. And he has to explain to him, you must be born again. And then, <clears throat> excuse me, Jesus said, If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creature. Uh, this is in 2 Corinthians. If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creature, new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. You know, we're, 
we shouldn't be, when we become Christians, the same old, same old. Um, there should be change. We're new. It's refreshing. It's encouraging. It's exciting. That old, those things that we're not proud of, those things that we've done in the past, we can put them in the past. We can move forward. We can be excited about that new life. You know, when you see a baby being born, there's excitement. It's new. It's fresh. There's innocence. As a new creation, we can be excited. We're, in God's eyes, new. All that old garbage is gone. We're forgiven of those things. We're living a new life, new purpose, focused on Jesus, and have purpose in living. And that's extremely exciting. Um, we kind of hit the scripture earlier, but it says, um, we were looking at Matthew, this is in Luke, it's, it says, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. So this is an effort to try to help you not just go through the scriptures and, and be deceived, thinking that I can just continue doing what I've been doing all my life. You know, you hear where somebody says, that's just me. Um, well, fortunately... I've changed. I, I think Janet would confirm that. I'm not the same person that I was. Uh, we just celebrated our 40th class reunion. The person I was 40 years ago has died. That person's no longer, you know, this, that's not the person standing up here before you today, fortunately. Because Janet and I will be celebrating a 36-year anniversary in a couple of months. And that, I'm almost certain, would not, have, would not be something we would be celebrating had it not been for the changes in my life. So change generally can be a very good thing. It can really reap some positive benefits. I've given you a lot of scriptures that are challenging. Hopefully they've challenged you. Hopefully they've, they're somewhat of an awakening. They get you to think, well, what about me? Where am I obedient? Am I showing, am I demonstrating my love for Jesus? And I, if you're not, turn the page. Start doing it today. I want to try to encourage you. I want to challenge you, but I want to encourage you. If, if you look at Galatians 6, uh, this one, this is a warning. It's, it is important to understand, um, you know, we, if we deliberately continue sinning after we've received the knowledge of the truth, there's, there's no longer any sacrifices left to cover our sins, but... There's only a terrible expectation of God's judgment and the raging fire that will consume his enemies. That's a warning. That's written to Christians to help them realize, pay attention to your life. Your life and your doctrine are both very important. So, you know, don't, uh, as we read in Romans 5, well, 
you know, if I sin more, don't I get more grace? Paul says, by no means. We've died to that, remember? Galatians 2, we've died to that old way of living. So don't be deceived, but if you'll look at Galatians should have made that bigger. Um, I'm going to have to look at it this way. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we'll reap the harvest if we do not give up. This is, this is a good if. We can reap the harvest if we continue to do what's right. Don't give up. Keep on keeping on. Uh, Galatians 6 is, is a very encouraging scripture, and that was the intent of this, to encourage the body. Don't give up. Life's hard. Times can be tough. Don't give up. Keep doing what's right. And James, it says, Blessed is the one who perseveres under trials, because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. You know, we're... These are to encourage you. These are to spur you on. Don't give up. Hang in there. Life's short. Take one day at a time. Do what's right. And you're going to be blessed. You're going to reap the benefits. It's going to be worth it. So, you know, we fail, right? We're, we're human. We're in the flesh. We make mistakes. We don't always do the right thing. Well, there's some scriptures to encourage us in that as well. In 1 John chapter 1, it says, This is the message we've heard from him and declare to you. God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him, yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live by the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. It's a way of life. It's a walk with Jesus. Now, skipping down to chapter 2, it says, My dear friends, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anyone does sin, and that's, we can fill our names in that anyone there, we have one who speaks to the Father in our defense, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. So there's some encouragement there. We're going to need to be walking as Jesus walked. It needs to be a way of life. But when we mess up, when we blow it, when we just... One of those days, it just didn't quite go as planned. We maybe didn't feel well. Maybe we were hungry. Maybe something unexpected happened and we weren't prepared. And we might say something we wish we had not said. Or we do something we wish we had not done. We have Jesus' blood to cleanse us. Keep us in good graces with God so that when we stand before God in judgment, we don't have to sweat it because we're not earning it, but we 
are expected. And, and let's just continue reading on verse 3. It says, we know that we've come to know him. And this is, this is um, if you kind of wonder, well, what is my relationship with God? We can know from this scripture. It says, we know we've come to know him if we obey his commands. The man who says, I know him, but does not do what he commands is a liar. And the truth is not in him. But if anyone obeys his word, God's love is truly made complete in him. This is how we know we're in him. Whoever claims to live in him must walk as Jesus did. So, you know, we can know by, we can evaluate ourselves. And in fact, the scripture tells us to do evaluations. Um, A lot of times before communion, we're to evaluate our life and, um, we can know. We can see when we're loving Jesus because of our obedience to him. There's a man that maybe some of you've heard of before. Um, he had a certain amount of success, but he said, I have failed over and over and over again in my life, and that is why I succeed. Uh, this man is a NBA Hall of Famer. This man did not make the basketball team when he tried out initially. And this man's name's Michael Jordan. Most of you have probably heard of him. But he says, you know, I failed over and over and over again. But why he failed over and over and over again is because he didn't give up. And as my challenge or encouragement to you is don't give up. You fail, repent, get back on the right track, keep on keeping on. Show your love to the world by your love for one another. Be confident of your love for Jesus by your obedience to him and his word. And this is, um, yeah, hopefully, I look at some of your faces, I'm, I'm like, are you, I don't know if, I, if this is encouraging or uh, depressing, or I'm not sure how to read you guys, but I want this to be encouraging. If you need to make some changes, change. You're here, you got breath in you. If, this, if I've said something that you need to work on, work on it. And I do. This has been real challenging for me. Um, but it's been encouraging for me too because I know there's things I need to do to represent Christ in a, in a more positive manner. So I encourage you all to do the same thing. Just in wrapping up, um, I want to kind of summarize the points real quick. God loves us. No questions. He's demonstrated it. It's unconditional. But there's some conditions to salvation. And we've looked at some of those, looking at the scriptures about the ifs and the must and, and just um, what it means, you know, when in Acts 2, when the people were cut to the heart, they asked questions, well, what must we do? And Peter told them what they must do. Um,
It's not works. Yeah, a lot of times people go, well, you're talking about, I'm not talking about works. This is, obedience is not, a, is not works. We don't earn, there's no way we earn our salvation. This loving Jesus is not works. Obedience to Jesus is not works. But there are conditions to salvation. So, don't try to confuse, well, you're talking about working your way. To, no, this is not works. First John, it's an encouraging scripture, but it's, it's, it's also a challenging scripture. It's a walk of life. Our life should demonstrate that we are a follower of Jesus. And then... The warning in Hebrews is, um, you know, we, like it or not, there's a fearful expectation if we just continually, deliberately sin. Um, those are not my words. It's the scripture. So, let's just, if we need to repent, let's repent. Let's demonstrate to the world we love Jesus by our love for one another and our obedience to Jesus. I appreciate the opportunity. Um, like I said, I, my efforts, my intentions were to challenge you, but encourage you, and I, I hope somehow I've managed to do that. Um, thank you for being here. Thank you for, for listening. And um, we'll have our A-team back next week. So, um, yeah, come back next week end in prayer.